0: everyone. Welcome to Adventures in Autism, episode 10. I'm so excited that we're already on episode 10. Woohoo! Um, thank you so much for coming to listen today. Uh, and once again, thank you so much, everyone, for all the love and support that the show is getting. I have been just recording like crazy these past couple weeks, and I have so many... wonderful episodes coming your way with really great guests. And I can't wait for you guys to hear all that. Um, For today's episode, I am going to do another solo episode. Give me your feedback too. Let me know if you're liking episodes more with guests or if you like the solo episodes. My original vision for the podcast was really just to have guests, but I have gotten so far, some really wonderful feedback doing the solo episodes, and I personally just have a lot to say <laughs> on the subject of autism so uh, if you guys are liking it i'm happy to to continue doing a, a solo episode here and there um, So, for the topic for today, kind of piggybacking on to my last solo episode, where I talked about the five biggest lessons that I've learned on this journey today I'm gonna to talk about the five biggest challenges and I'm not gonna lie this is definitely a little outside my comfort zone. I'm feeling a little vulnerable here <laughs> um, but i I have a hard time talking about challenges sometimes because I generally just like to be like really positive and have that you know glass half full kind of outlook on, on everything. But I mean, especially when it comes to Logan and his autism diagnosis, I, I just always want to, you know, see the positive and see the good. Um, but at the same time, there are many challenges that come from having a child with autism. So I want to be real. I want to keep it real with you guys. So that's what I'm going to talk about today. So to kick things off, again, no particular order. These are all just challenges. Uh, some might be a little bit more than others, but like I said, no no particular order. But the first one, kind of keeping with that theme of sort of staying positive, I definitely have a hard time sort of, uh, my sister called it, controlling the narrative. <laughs> I want to be the one to to tell people what's going on with Logan. I want them to be my words. Uh, I Like I said, I, I want to stay positive. I, I don't want to focus on the negative. And that, for me, is a challenge, really, because you have to keep it real. And there are challenges, and there there are negative things that come along with this. And it's definitely something that I struggle with because when I'm, you know talking to somebody, whether they're another autism parent or, you know, a friend or a family member or an acquaintance. I mean, just anyone who's asking questions about Logan, I, I just always really want to like keep it upbeat and I never want to seem like I'm like burdened by him or, you know, that I would, I would want to change him because I, I really don't feel that way. I feel like he is such a blessing and such a gift to us and he has, you know, really only changed my life for the better. A hundred percent. That's the truth. Um, but like I said, at the same time there, it is hard. I'm not gonna, you know, sugarcoat that. There's days that are, are very, very tough or moments that are very tough. And I, I always have to, you know, remind myself in those moments that, okay, like this is just one, one little piece of the puzzle. And that's true. Um, but like I said, I do, I want to keep it real. I don't want to, to sugarcoat it, but at the same time I want to keep it positive. So I never want to come off like I'm like complaining about him. Um, but I also, I do want to share hence why I have a podcast. (laughs) So it's, it's definitely just that delicate balance of like being real. Um, but also, Not coming off like you're complaining. I I don't want anyone to ever think I'm complaining about him because he, like I said, he's, he's the greatest. So, all right. So number two, and this is going to be a little more specific and I know that there's going to be a lot of, parents out there that can relate. Uh number 2 is potty training. <laughs> um and again, whether you have a neurotypical child or a child on the spectrum, potty training is a real pain in the booty. <laughs> um when you have a child with autism, it is a whole different ball game. So that's what I'm talking about here. <clears throat> when Logan was I think 4 when um he was uh on on break Christmas break from from preschool, he had started showing some signs of readiness, and I was like, you know what, I think that we could do like a potty training boot camp, and I can get this kid potty trained. I'd like sat him down on the potty a few times, and we'd had a couple successes, you know, kind of here and there. So. I got went gung ho. I went out and bought a bunch of underwear for him, and you know some some treats for for successes. If he were to to go on the potty, he would get candy, which he loves candy. So I was just again, I'm very positive in general. So I went into this thinking like, oh, we got this in the bag, no big deal. Well, the first day of my potty training boot camp. I mean, I started in the morning. I think by like noon. I just abandoned ship. I'm like, okay, this is not happening. He definitely, like, if he needed to go and he was sitting on the potty, he would go. One number one and number two. Like we had successes both ways. But he had especially at that point, just no bodily awareness to know like, oh, I'm about to pee. So I mean, I can't even tell you how many how many puddles of pee I cleaned up that morning. And I, I generally have a lot of patience, especially with him. I just, you know, I have that, there's like a, a piece of me that knows like, okay, you need to be patient with this. And I, I felt like my patience just running so low and my anxiety just running up. And I was just like, okay, this is not, this isn't going to work. So I'm like, all right, he's not ready. He doesn't have that like I said, that bodily awareness piece yet. So cut to about a year later, uh, Logan had, had started ABA. He'd been in ABA for a few months and me and his BCBA were talking a lot about potty training and thinking like, okay, we we think he's getting ready. We had been like incorporating potty breaks just into our day, but also into his ABA sessions at home. And again, we've had you know a few successes here and there, and he seemed like he was understanding the routine more of potty because that was something that they did more in ABA was working on not just actually you know using the potty, but pulling down your pants, pulling down your your underwear, your pull up, you know, actually sitting down. Like these were things that when I was potty training him, I was just like, all right, I'm just gonna sit you on the potty. But we were really focusing on the whole routine of it. And then, you know, like washing your hands and drying your hands. So he was really catching on to all those things, seemed to be getting more comfortable with the routine. So we're like, okay, spring break this year, we're just, again, we're going to hit it hard and we're going to do this potty thing. And it wasn't a total failure. Like when I tried to potty turn him myself, but it was, it was very difficult. And he, what we learned in that time is that he actually is able to hold, hold his, his pee for a very long time. And it was getting to the point where, I mean, we, we were having so few successes because he was holding it and going like hours and hours in between, you know, using the potty and then was having accidents because he wasn't going on the potty. And it, it, again, it was just like, now it was a whole different problem. Now it was like, okay, well, you're not only are you, you know, we're, we're still kind of missing that bodily awareness piece, but it's like, you're holding it for so long, like we don't even know what to do. So, um, again, I mean, we, we, we did actually go through, I think like the whole week and, We, I would put a a pull up on him, um, like in the evening and that's typically when, you know, he would let everything go. Um, so after maybe not the entire week, maybe more like four or five days, we were like, okay, this is, we're going to call it a wash (laughs) again. We're just not, we're not getting anywhere. So we have continued to take potty breaks. We are having a lot more successes lately. So we're getting very close and we're planning to do another kind of potty training boot camp um, this coming Christmas break. So coming up pretty soon. I'm not going to lie. I am, uh, terrified <laughs> because I mean, just to be completely honest, I, I want Logan potty trained so badly and not even just for me. Like obviously I'm having three kids in diapers is not fun, but I want him potty trained for him. I want him to have that, that kind of, you know, start of independence. And I want him to have that, that, uh, self care that comes along with that. And I just think that potty training is like the first step to that. So wish us luck. (laughs) Um, like I said, we've had a lot of successes. We've had some also difficult times lately. And I'm sure, again, a lot of autism parents can relate to that. There's times when, you know, the diaper comes off and there's messes on the floor and that's not fun. That's probably, that could be a challenge just in itself. So I I honestly could do like probably a whole episode on potty training, which maybe once we finally have this child potty trained, I will do a whole episode and talk about what worked for us and what didn't. Um, Okay, so... Number three, the next item, again, is more of a specific kind of autism thing, um, but I think a lot of parents can relate to, to it as well, is safety. When you have a child with autism and they don't respond the same way that neurotypical children do to, you know, like dangerous situations, I can't even tell you how, how scary it can be. We are We are... Pretty lucky, I think, with Logan. We have not had any major incidents of him eloping, as they call it, which is basically running away. Um, There's been, you know, a couple times where I remember once we were at the park and, you know, there's like a big open field and a basketball court next to it. And he saw like some older kids, like, honestly, like high school kids (laughs) playing basketball. And of course, he wanted to go join. And he he ran off and, I mean, nothing was going to stop him from getting to that basketball court. Um, I, you know, I'm calling his name, nothing, not turning around. So obviously, thankfully, I was, you know, right there and I could just go and get him. But there are so many moments where, you know, you turn around for a second and there's a problem. So, you know, we always have all of our doors locked at home and we have locks on all of our cabinets. I have these like childproof door locks that they're actually from, uh, Babies R Us, which is like no longer a thing. So I, I bought several before they went out of business. Cause I was like, <laughs> these are amazing. Um, cause we have, you know, like the pull down handles, not like the knob handles. So these are the only ones that I've been able to find that, like he can't figure out and he can't like, you know, find a way around it. So, we have them on our bathroom doors because he likes to put things down the toilet. Um, And we have them really anywhere that we don't want him to get into. We have them in the pantry because not only will he just like scour for candy in there, but one time I caught him on the very, very top shelf of our pantry, which that's high. We have high ceilings. That was another scary moment. So, everything's locked. (laughs) Everything's locked and loaded. He's not getting in. Um, that's something that going forward is, is definitely a concern because at some point he is going to know how to do those locks and he is going to be able to, you know, get, get out if he wanted to. There's been, I think just a couple times where he's gotten like into our backyard, which is fenced. And I mean, still not great, but again, we've not had any kind of, major incidents, but it's something that I think as an autism parent is always in the back of your mind. Like if, you know, if something happened, how would he respond? Um, that's, that's definitely something that weighs on me for sure. Okay. So, uh, number four, this one is, I, I mean, I, I think it's, some people can relate to this, I'm sure. Um, and that is having... babysitters (laughs) or like getting, getting a night out. We don't get to do that very often. (laughs) Um, just this past week it was my husband's birthday and, you know, we wanted to go out like for a date night. We don't get to do date nights all that often. And when we do that, we really have to go out pretty late because if, if somebody else is here with Logan and the routine is kind of thrown off, he definitely has a hard time and we do, my mom and my sister are our main babysitters and they are super helpful. Um, and I, for the most part, trust them to like get him actually like, you know, in bed or put him to bed. I, well, I shouldn't say I don't trust him. I, I trust them. I just know how, how difficult it can be for them when he is upset. Um, because that's one of the only kind of things that would really send him into a meltdown is if he thinks that Manny or I are leaving and we're, like, leaving him with the babysitter. It could it could be, like, the plumber coming to the door and he freaks out. Because if someone's coming over, he he thinks that we're leaving and that he's got a babysitter and he's just – he obviously doesn't like that. So that's tough because, I mean, obviously we would like to have more – you know, alone time, <laughs> adult time. Um, and it's hard to maneuver that. Cause like I said, we, we did end up going out for dinner. We had Manny's niece came to babysit. Um, and we had put the kids down and then we just have to pray that nobody wakes up because if Logan were to wake up and there was, you know, Someone here that he's not super familiar with. I mean, obviously he knows her, but I mean, if it was anyone besides me or Manny, it would be a problem. Even even if it was my mom or my sister, who he's very comfortable with, it would still it would still be a big problem. Um, last year for our our sixth wedding anniversary, Manny and I went out of town just for the weekend. We we left on like Friday evening and came back, you know, Saturday or Sunday, like early afternoon. And it was really tough. <laughs> um, my mom and my sister were here babysitting. So they could kind of tag team because Logan alone is, is a lot. That was before we had Layla. So we just had Logan and Liliana here. So they, they each had a kid basically. <laughs> they had to keep an eye on at one time. Um, but because we really don't leave our kids, that was the first time that we had left them both together. We maybe had done like a night here and there, um, not, not both of us at the same time though, ever. Like if I, I went out of town with my mom, my sister a couple of years ago for my mom's birthday and Manny stayed home with Logan. I had Liliana with us, but we had never left the two of them, especially not for two nights. And it was hard. It, everything was great. Logan actually did. He did really well. I think he, you know, he had some little bit of difficulty here and there. Um, but he was really good for them and there was, you know, no issues, but we were just driving, uh, to Michigan a couple hours away to a friend's lake house that they were letting us stay at. And when we were on our way there, Manny was like, so, so worried and so nervous about Logan, uh, that he like several times was like, I think we should just go home. (laughs) Like it was really, it was that hard for us to like, kind of be away from him because you, you just don't you, you just worry about your kid and you know, when you're there with them, everything's going to be okay. Cause you know, they're, they're happy. They're with you. But knowing that he was, you know, potentially upset and we weren't there for him. Um, that's, that's just hard. So yeah, when I hear other moms talk about like, you know, people that are able to babysit or, you know, even like situations. Yeah. Like where you get to, Go out like I'm not gonna lie, I'm a little jealous because that is definitely not um right now at least it's it's not really in the cards for us, so hopefully in the future that will get better, and like I said, there's ways around it we just if we go out for dinner, we just will go out later, but it would be i I was a nanny for um about ten years before I had my own kids, so when I think about that kind of a situation, like just having someone that would babysit... I mean, they would go on like week-long vacations and I would stay with the kids. And people would always say to me then like, oh, they're so lucky to have you. And I'm like, no, I'm so lucky to have them. And I was. i They're still very close. It's actually their, their lake house that we stayed at uh, when we went out of town. But when I look back now, I'm like, oh my gosh, having someone that can watch your children who you trust and they trust and your kids love and they love them is truly priceless. And yes, when you have a child with autism, it just kind of like goes double. Um, okay. So the last one on my list, and I think this one is pretty easy to understand kind of for anybody. Uh, and that is having a, a nonverbal child is a challenge all in itself. Um, and again, I think it kind of goes, without saying, but I will, I'll explain a little bit more. Um, I mean, Logan is almost six years old. He's going to be six next month. And he, while he does have some words and he has more words coming up, honestly, it it feels like every day at this point, he is still for all intents and purposes, a, a nonverbal child. And that in itself is a tough pill to swallow because, I mean, you never imagine that your that you, your child just won't talk. I remember like before Logan, way before he was diagnosed, but I just had like the inkling that he may have autism. I started doing my own research and I, I read some kind of statistic that I think it, it could have been wrong too, but I think it said something like, like 25% of people with autism are nonverbal. And like I said, I remember reading that and really just being shocked by it because I, I didn't even know that was like a thing. I didn't know that that was even like a label, like a non nonverbal autism. Like I had no idea at the time that that was something that we could deal with. I really, I mean, I, I knew what autism was vaguely, but I, I, I mean, again, the only thing at that point I really knew about autism was like Rain Man and he could speak. Um, I maybe, maybe had a little bit of other, you know, kind of connection to autism, but not, not much. So I remember reading that statistic and something about that just stuck with me. And as time went on and Logan wasn't talking, I just, I kind of knew that that was like the path that we were on. And I, I really do believe that we are gonna, we're gonna get him to the point where he has, you know, communication still skills to like have a conversation because he is improving so much. Um, but we're not there yet and we're, we're still pretty far, we're still pretty far away from that. So, That's, I mean, just in itself is difficult. There was last week, there was one morning, Logan woke up crying and he, he's generally very happy and it's, it's not very often that we deal with him, you know, like crying or even really having meltdowns. And he, he woke up and he just came in our room like early in the morning crying, like he was upset. And, you know, it's, I mean, it's heartbreaking when, it's heartbreaking for him to cry regardless, but it's like when you have absolutely no idea where this came from. I mean, if he, you know, he falls down and he cries, I know, okay, he hurt himself, but it's like in this kind of a situation, I mean, I was just completely helpless. Like I was sleeping and and I, I woke up to him crying. So all I can maybe think is that he had a bad dream, but you know, he, he can't verbalize that to me. He can't tell me. So that's really hard. And you know, times like when, when he's sick, um, I've learned to, to read him, really well. He's, and, and again, he is, he's generally so happy that, and so energetic <laughs> that when he sits down for like, even 30 seconds, we're like, oh gosh, he must not be feeling well. <laughs> like we just know the the signs very quickly. So things like that, where if he's not feeling well, you know, he'd be able to tell us like, oh, I'm not feeling good. He was having a little bit of a tummy issue the past couple of weeks. And there was one day where the nurse called me from school to let me know. And I told her, I'm like, yeah, I'm like, this seems like it's been kind of a theme lately, but I'm like, at the same time, he's, he's still mostly acting like himself. He was still like eating normally, which again is a big sign for us when he's not feeling well. He, his appetite definitely goes out the window. Um, but her and I were kind of talking and it's like, you almost feel like a detective cause it's like, you're just trying to like read these signs and clues. And I told her, I'm like, obviously you know, with him being nonverbal, it's like, we, we can never be completely sure because I can't ask him, you know, honey, is your tummy hurting? And he can say, yes, he's not, he's not at that point yet where he can verbalize that to me. So yeah, that's a, that's a huge challenge. Or if you, if you want something generally, he's, he's actually very, very good at nonverbal communication. So it's not, it's typically not a problem to figure out, what he wants or needs. We also use, um, PECS for communication, which is, it's an acronym. So it's P E C S and that stands for picture exchange communication system for anyone who's not familiar. Um, and they're just like little, little words, sometimes like a short phrase, um, on a little picture card. And he has a a book, he's a PECS book, so they all have a little piece of Velcro on the back and then the book has, it's lined in Velcro. So he's able to, you know, kind of scan the book for whatever it is that he wants. And we use what's called a sentence strip. So he, if he wants something, he has to put it on the sentence strip to make a sentence. So it'll be like the pecs for I want and then the pecs for more and then usually it's like chips or fruit snacks. Those are usually the things that he's requesting. So he has to put, you know, those three pictures on on his little sentence strip, which is just like a, a strip of paper with, with the the Velcro. And he puts those pieces there and he will kind of point. To each picture so it's like he's he's making the sentence without having to say the sentence um and he's doing incredible with that just up until recently we we had just been doing the picture exchange where it's like if he wanted something he would just hand it to us and then we were we would give it to him um but he just since this school year started he's using the sentence strip and he took to it like no problem um and he it really does, like, if he wants something different, he will, you know, really, like, look in the book to scan and see, like, okay, I need this or that. Like, he you wants know, a drink or whatever it is he's looking for. We have pictures of pretty much everything in our house. So he's able to, to communicate as easily as he can with that. So that's kind of our, our method of communication at this point. I know some people have asked me that. So we do we use the textbook, book and he, that goes back and forth from school to home to therapy. So we all kind of are on the same page. Um, And then we are always encouraging any kind of verbal communication. We'll just kind of give him a, a little nudge and kind of point to our mouths. And if there's like a word we want him to say, and nine times out of 10, he'll at least give an approximation for the word, or if it's something like really specific that he wants, I'll just, and he can't say it, or he's, the approximation is nowhere close. (laughs) I'll just have him say please. And he can say please, which is great, which is really wonderful. Um, but yeah, as far as like him being able to ask for something or typically like answering a question, his, his verbal skills are just not, not there yet. So they're emerging and they're getting better, you know, all the time. Which is so exciting because that's always like the first thing whenever we're talking about, you know, challenges or things to work on. Speech is always like at the very top of my list, which is funny because I it's the last one I'm talking about right now. (laughs) But, um, yeah, if we can, if we could get him talking and honestly potty train, those are like the two, the two biggest things. I feel like we could like run the, the entire world (laughs) if we could just get him talking and potty train, we could just take off for sure. So that's, that's my list. Those are my big challenges and I'm sure a lot of you can relate. Um, honestly there's, there's more, (laughs) (laughs) There's, there's definitely more, but those were like the first ones that came to mind. And I think probably the biggest ones at this point, I think as time goes on, obviously other challenges will arise. Um, they, and other challenges not only have arisen in this time, but also just become more apparent because I remember like, you know, when he was much younger, like two or three, when these kind of, you know, symptoms were first emerging, you know, when your child's two or three, things aren't so much of an issue. But then when they're having the same problems at five or six, they're much more of an issue. Um, So things are, things are changing all the time, just as with any child, they're growing and changing. I feel like he's, as he's gotten older, he's gotten more mischievous, <laughs> which could be a problem. Um, Hence the cabinet locks, because he is always climbing our cabinets. And he's a expert climber and looking for usually candy, but that's something that we, uh, we have to be very conscious of because he, yeah, I feel like he's just getting smarter and that's where like the mischief is coming into play because there are things that, you know, he didn't do even a few months ago that he does now. And it's like, where do you learn these things? Uh, probably YouTube. <laughs> he likes YouTube and there's, there's a lot of trouble to be found on YouTube. We monitor it though, of course. So, all right. Well, I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode. Um, again, thank you so much, everyone, for all the feedback. And I'm just, I'm so enjoying all these connections that I've been able to make with uh, this community. I I was hoping that this would happen, but to, to see it actually happening is a really, really incredible. And I know I personally feel more supported and I hope that... Everybody listening does too. Um, so again, if you would like to connect with me, you can find us on um, Facebook. Just search Adventures in Autism Podcast. And you can find us on Instagram at Adventures and Autism Pod. I'm probably a little more active on Instagram because personally I just prefer it to Facebook. I think it's just a little bit more fun um, and then you can also email me at adventures and 2018 at yahoo.com and like I said give me give me your feedback let me know what you think of um, the solo episodes versus the episodes with the guests. I have a lot of guests in in the next few weeks coming out um but yeah i I enjoy you know just talking about these things too because Like I said, I have a lot, a lot to say on this subject. So yes, thank you so much everyone for listening. And until next time, I will talk to you later.